Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class is dedicated today in loving memory and Liluna Shmat Rivka Bat Esther. Alash Shalom, sponsored by her nephew, Rabbi David Bibi. Uh, <coughs> and as well, Breakfast in the Class is dedicated for the Refuash of Munas Iran Badzinat. She's been in the hospital for the past week of complications. May your fiery shiur serve as a merit for her to return home very soon in full health, as well for the rest of Hole Am Israel. Also, Rabbi, thank you for your constant hezuk on my drives to work in the morning. Uh, okay. Sponsored by her grandson, Ariel Lavian Hazaku Baruch. Ariel, God bless you and Bezat Hashem uh, The week of Cobra dedicated loving memory of Sammy Said Lil Nishmat Shalom Rivka, sponsored by his son, Isaac Said. <clears throat> Rabotai, our Pasuk for today. And the people were They were like, like complainers, people who were complaining about bad in the, in the ears of Hashem. Now there's many different kind of nuances that one notices if you're paying attention to that very short snippet of the verse that we just quoted. And the people were like, they were like complainers, okay, uh, that things were bad in the ears. Of, what do you mean they were like complainers? You're either a complainer or you're not a complainer. What is like a complainer? Was it like, is it, I, I always wondered that as well, you know, is it like State Farm? Just like a good neighbor, State Farm is there? Or are they a good neighbor? <laughs> what, what are they? Kimit onanira. Like, they were like complainers. Um, as well, what is the specific uh, explanation that they were complaining in the ears of Hashem? It's a little weird, isn't it? Lifne Hashem would be the language in front of a God. What is this Be'ozne Hashem in the... In the in the ears of God. What do these two elements come to teach us? So, as always, one of the things that is important to pay attention to in the Pesukim is to recognize the context in which these things are said. And through the process of understanding the context, you understand what the Torah is trying to communicate outside of the specific story in which it's said. So, as an example, let's say someone comes to you and they tell you, you know, my sister's dating this guy, you know, I want to know if he's going to be a good husband, you know, what can you tell me about him? He prays in your shul. By the way, for all you single guys, people call, this, people call me with these questions all the time. So your best behavior, you better best be on your best behavior when you're in shul. Now, the crazy thing about this is, how would I know if they're going to be a good husband? Number one, I've never been married to them. Number two, I've never seen them married in the shul to even see how they are necessarily as a married man. What's the person really asking? The person is asking, have you noticed things that would make the person a good or a bad husband? Have you seen him yell and scream in the synagogue? Have you seen him be disrespectful? I don't know, have you seen him? There it is, tile cutter. Have you seen him... Let me see if I can, maybe if I move the microphone closer, maybe that will be more helpful. Have you seen the guy, when they bring out the breakfast, complain about the breakfast food? 
If he complains about the breakfast food, that doesn't bode well for me as his wife. This guy is the type of guy who's going to, you know, he's going to be uh, griping about the fact that he didn't have this or he didn't have that, etc., etc. All right? The Rabutai, the concept over here is really very similar. When you're trying to understand what it says in the Pasuk, maybe the Pasuk is not written about your story. But if you see a lesson in one area, you can explain and extrapolate that lesson to another place. The concept over here, Rabutai, is that when you look at someone who complains, it's almost never, and that's what the Pasuk is showing us, about the complaint itself. And what's fascinating is, if you look in the Pasuk, the Pasuk doesn't actually even tell you in this instance what they were complaining about. In many other places in the Torah, the Torah tells you, the Jews said, where's my food, where's my this, where's my that. The people would say, we have no water to drink. The people would say, you know, why you take us this place to, you know, wander around the desert, we should have stayed in Egypt. In those complaints, the Torah expresses specifically what it is that the person was complaining about. But over here, the Torah seems to tell us about a complaint where we don't know what they're saying. Why, why would the Torah do that? And I think the powerful element over here is that the Torah is telling you that actually for most people who complain, although they have a reason in every instance why they're complaining, in essence, none of their reasons are actually the reasons why they're complaining. The reason why they're complaining is because they are complainers. Why is that an important lesson to understand? Because it helps you understand that a person like that, you will never, ever, ever make happy. Why? Because you'll keep solving the things that they complain to you about. And it was never really about any of those things. Says the Pasuk, God said these people are complainers. There's something wrong inherently with the people that causes them no matter what I give them to complain. Like we mentioned yesterday, they have food raining down from the heavens. There's a traveling bear of a water, a well of water that moves with them in oasis throughout the desert. You'd think that a people like that would feel so incredibly blessed that they would find nothing to complain about. And yet the Torah tells us that they complain 10 different times. There's 10 different things that the Jewish people do to get Hashem upset in the desert. There was something wrong inherently with them that caused them to complain. Rabbi we're learning over here that the, Jew, the Jewish religion believes that goodness, ra, and tov, good, bad, good and bad, are concepts that are related to, inextricably linked with a person's relationship with gratitude and with a person's relationship with complaining. A person who is grateful is called in the expression of the Torah, good. A person who is ungrateful, who is complaining, who's finding always things that aren't exactly right, the nature of a complainer, says the Torah, is ra. ra. They were complainers, ra. That was evil. There's an evil nature to he who or she who complains. It's fascinating to think that if you think I made this up, that 
that a complainer is considered bad in the eyes of the Torah and a person who has gratitude is considered good, look no further than the Pasuk that says it plainly. Tob lehodot ladonai. A person who's giving thanks to God. Tob, the literal reading of the Pasuk says it's good to give thanks. But really, a deeper understanding of that Pasuk reveals that the Torah is not just saying it's good to give thanks, but you want to know what the definition of a person who is good is. A person who gives thanks, that's a person who's good. A lot of times, when we look at things in Judaism, we miss the centrality and the, the essential nature of what the Torah is asking of us. So we think the Torah is telling you, look, these are the important things to do as a Jew, but here are some other random things you have to do on a Tuesday that's the second month of the fourth day of the twelfth hour, right? But actually, there are things that are much more core to being a Jew and things that are perhaps more peripheral. I'll give you an example. There are three mitzvot that are considered to be the sign of being a Jew. Did you know that? Three things that are called ot. What's called ot? A sign, a, uh, something that is a proof almost that you're Jewish. Brit milah, Shabbat, no, what's the third? And tefillin. Each one of these, and it will be for you as a sign. What do we say on Shabbat? Oti, leolam, right? Each time it says the word, ot, describing these three things. These three things are the sign. The Chafetz Chaim says, why does it mean it's calling you an ot? An ot means like the sign outside of a store. You come to a store and the door is closed. The guy's still in business. He's just AWOL for the day. Come back tomorrow. You have a Jewish person. They, they, maybe they, their Yetzirah got the better of them. They didn't do this. They did the wrong thing. The guy's still a Jewish person. He's still there. If you come to the store and you see the guy taking down the sign, now you know, don't turn up tomorrow. The guy's taking down the sign. These three things are called the sign of a Jew. Fascinating. That means that there's something more essential, more core to these mitzvot in terms of defining the nature of a Jew. Is that, is that clear? All right, are we all on the same page? Now, the reason why I'm, I'm spending the time describing this is because the concept of being a person who walks around complaining. And here's the thing. And this is the, the part that's so super important. The Torah doesn't say what they're complaining about. In other words, it's almost communicating that I don't care what it's about. I don't care why you're complaining. If you're complaining, that's evil. It's evil to be a complainer. Why, why do we go so far to express it this way? That the nature of a complainer is evil and the nature of a person who's grateful is good. Why do we go so far? Well, you don't find this by other midot on the spectrum. Where you know, here these are two opposite character traits. This is good, that's bad. How come we don't find that? I think that's something very, very interesting. You know, we know that our name of, as a people, we're called Yehudim. After the tribe of Yehuda. Right? And why are we called Yehudim? The Chachamim explained to us that at our core, 
the concept of the Jewish people is based around the fact that we are people who, like Yehuda, gave thanks. Why did Leah call her son Yehuda? Hapam ode et Hashem. This time, I will thank God. That's what she says. So Yehuda, which is the core name, the name that the Jewish people are named after, Yehudim, right? Why were we called after that tribe? How can we were not called Yisachar or Zivulim <laughs> or Benyaminim? How can we're called after Yehuda? Because at our core, our nation is meant to be people that are modeh, that admit and are grateful and show gratitude to Bore Olam, to other people around us. It's why the very first word out of a Jew's mouth in the morning is modeh ani. I remember reading once that in Hebrew, a more accurate translation of I am grateful would be ani modeh. But they couldn't say ani modeh so that the first word out of a Jew's mouth wouldn't be ani, I. Because a Jew doesn't put himself first and foremost. That can't be the first word that comes out of his mouth. So what do we choose instead? Not we. <laughs> what do we choose? Modeh. Not anachnu modim. Because we could have done that and solved the I problem. But instead, what do we do? We front load the day with the word modeh. Now, if you say, it makes no impact on you. But if you open your eyes and you realize, I just saw again. I just refreshed my body with all these hours of sleep. I have a brand new day coming in front of me. I'm thankful. Then you change the way you see the day. Now, I want to illustrate something that I think is very powerful. So, with regard to this concept of modeh and why... It makes a person tov or it makes a person ra. Tov for being grateful, ra for being a complainer. And it doesn't matter what you're complaining about. It's a very interesting idea, this. Why is it that of all the good traits, we chose Yehuda to be the one that would represent the Jews? Why is it that we choose, chose modeh to be the first word that we say in the morning? Why don't we say anav should be the first word I say. Anavim, That should be the first word I say. Humility, very important trait. The answer is, Rabotai, that one of the primary things that drives a Jewish person to do the mitzvot is the feeling, the understanding that they owe Bore Olam, they owe God. How many mitzvot do we do? Zecher. Or, We're reminded of the fact that God created the world. He gave me everything. God took me out of Egypt. Not for him, I would be a slave. Therefore, I must. The imperative of doing the will of the Creator is born within the realization of how much you owe the Creator. A person who does not recognize how much they owe their Creator, is a person that feels free to do whatever they like. I don't know anything. I made my own money. I made my own way. I built my own business. I'm the reason why I have a wife. I'm the reason why I have children. If everything belongs to and came from the strength and the power of my own hand, then I did this chayin. I did this. If I did this, who do I owe? I owe nobody. So therefore, the first thing, the basis upon which 
a Jewish person's uh, moral, ethical fiber is built upon is their recognition of the fact that they owe God. That is only true for a grateful person. Because what does a complainer do? Chachamim tell us that the soul of a good-hearted person goes to someone's house for Shabbat lunch. What does he say? Wow, look at these chalot. Look at how this, the meal that they prepared for me. Look at the meat. Look at the chicken. Look at the chalant. Look at the herring. I'm just trying to make everyone feel included. Look at the lahm ba'ajin. Right? Look at this. Wow, unbelievable. Tahina with parsley. Fantastic. Right? Everything's amazing. What does a person who's sar'ayin, what does a person who's sar'ayin say, who's, a, who's got a cynical eye, who's got a bad eye, what does he say? Ha! They, what? Because I came, they have two chalot. The halakha says they need two chalot. They did nothing for me. What they, you think they added extra beans because I came for Shabbat? They were making the same size chalan anyway. Anyway, where they're going to cut the chicken, they're going to only cook, you know, seven-eighths of the chicken. They cooked all the pieces of the chicken because they put all, I ate one piece. They would have had it for leftovers. I'm doing them a favor. I'm doing them a favor. Tsar Ayn is incapable of seeing positivity in anything. But the nature of that is, the guy walks out, and what does he say on his way out? Chavin, pajamas, right? That's what you say to someone as you pass them in the street if you're Ashkenaz. And they never realize that that's what you said. You don't say good Shabbos, say pajamas, 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 right? Pajamas! person feels grateful, they're like, wow, the food, the challah, the thing. So delicious. Did, you, you know, did your wife make the challah? Oh, you made a homemade, wow. Everything they notice. A person, Rabbi Wattai, who is grateful, lives a good life. His life is tov because he's always noticing things. You're complaining about the fact you have a different relationship with your child. There are parents who can't have children. I bet you they would pay any money in the world to have your problem child with his problems. You're complaining about your work? You're not making as much as you made last year? It's very difficult. A lot of people this year have no work. Right? You understand? You're complaining about things that other people, that even the most basic level of what you have, they don't have. Recognize the power of being grateful in your life to turn every day into a beautiful day. But it's not just with regards to yourself. It also turns you into a good person. Because if you're a grateful person and you recognize that there are others that don't have it, you ask yourself, wait a second. So there's someone else that doesn't have kids? Even though I have, might have some problems. There's some people that don't have business or at all, even though mine got hit by COVID. There's some people... Right? But I, well, I, I, all of a sudden you start to realize that, you know what? It could have been me. That could have been me. Why did I get luckier than them? He's also smart. How come he doesn't have money? That person also has connections. That person's last name is also the right last name in the community. How come he doesn't have and I have something? 
The person recognizes it comes from Borei Olam, they feel grateful. If they feel grateful, they want to pray, to say thank you. If they feel grateful, they want to show respect by Shabbat. Look, Hashem, you gave me my six days of work. I have to rest on the seventh. That gratitude turns the person into a good person. Tob lehodot. But when a person is mitonanim ra, when they, uh, what's it called? Mitonanim ra, then it's be'oznei amonai. My friends, does God have an ear? Does God have a mouth? Does God have a head or legs or arms? Of course not. God has no form. It's one of the 13 principles of faith from Harambam. God, Rambam says, if a person believes in a physical form of God, Apikores, person is a heretic. Okay? So God has no form. So what is the message of telling me that they were, that they were whispering, you know, not so sweet nothings in Hashem's ear? Every time we use a body part of God, the Gemara tells us, why do we use that? The Torah spoke in language, in the language of humans, in a way that we anthropomorphically can understand. So if God took the Jews out, He took them out with His right hand. The right hand is usually stronger by majority of people in the world are right-handed. God took them out with strength. He didn't take them out weak in the middle of the night. He took them out midday in the blazing sun. And what did Hashem say by doing that? Somebody try and stop me. That's God doing something in strength. Sometimes the Jews could win a war by the skin of their teeth. And sometimes the Jews could win a war, Ya'ani, they won the war. Okay? That's strength versus, so when we would describe God's right hand, what do we mean? Not his hand, not fingers. We mean that God did it with strength. What is the indication of saying the mitonanim was spoken be'oznei amonai? in the ears of God. Think about how that works when it's in a hum- with the human. When do you say something in someone's ear? Obviously, if I'm saying something to you now, here in this, uh, in this porch, or if you're hearing it online or listening to it you know, online, you're hearing it with your ears because that's how you hear. No one hears through their nose. But what I would say in the English language, and I said something in his ear, what do I mean? Secret, a whisper, something that no one else knows. The chidush I want to say in this pasuk is that not only is not being a complainer about complaining to other people, you can also be a complainer when you complain just to God. People think that complaining to other people, that's complaining. Look, oh, the food, oh, the synagogue, this rabbi, his speeches are too long. I don't like him, he's not this, he's not that, he should have a beard. People can come up with a lot of other things that they want to complain about. I have a beard, Rabotai. It's in my drawer in my house if anyone wants to see it. I've keep it, kept it there for you. You can come look, I'll show you, okay? The idea is, we, that's a complainer. person's complaining. But when I complain to Hashem, that's tefillah. No. Even if in your prayers you say, this is not good, and this is not good, and this is not good, and it's the guise of asking God to help you, that's still complaining. 
Because there's two ways that a person can formulate that expression to God. One way is by saying to Hashem, I need X. And another way is saying, everything is so terrible. It's the worst thing ever. My life is the worst. Why are you picking on me? Hashem, you're cursing me and you're blessing everybody else. Hashem, please bless me. That's not a sincere prayer. That is a sincere complaint. I think there's a be- that's a beautiful chidush. And I think it also sa- says something very special about the nature of gratitude and the nature of complaints. Gratitude is not only about the physical interaction between your mouth and someone else. And we're learning now it's not even about the physical interaction between your mouth and God's ears. What the Torah was communicating is that gratitude and complaints begin. Lack, gratitude and lack of gratitude. It begins inside of the person. Now I want to give everyone a piece of homework for Shabbat. I want you to give one compliment, one statement of gratitude this weekend. It could be before Shabbat, beyond Shabbat, it could be after Shabbat. But instead of saying it, from your lips and outside, feel the feeling of gratitude, of Hakarat HaTov, welling up inside of you until it comes to the point where it spills out of your mouth. I want you to notice the difference between a compliment or gratitude that comes that way and one that's generated or manufactured in your mouth, the factory of words like we say in Arabic, haki balash, talk is cheap. If, if this is about your insides, how does that work? How can a person have a heart which is filled with gratitude? Have a neshama which is filled with gratitude? Pay attention this Shabbat morning to the words of Nishmat Kolchai. And you see that our Chachamim were describing this concept of not having gratitude, but of being overwhelmed by it. Where we talk about the fact that if all, if every, if I, you know, if, if I tried to give, you know, gratitude with each one of my limbs, that I still could not, and if I spoke like this, and if I gave you that, and if I tried to, there's nothing I could do that would adequately communicate how thankful I am to you, Hashem. Those words of nishmat are trying to bring this almost like a spring coming from inside of us. Right? You know how you do that, Rabotai? I want to teach you this process. It's super simple. Instead of saying, oh, this is delicious, thank you. Don't do that. Think for yourself when you're eating the food that your wife made. This is so good. Taste the different tastes inside of it. She put pepper. She put this. I could see as well that she ground it all very well so it's mush. It's not like PC. I realized the texture, the taste. Is it overdone, underdone? Notice all the different parts. Think about the fact she was really busy today. You know how busy you, your wife is before Shabbat dealing with this, dealing with that. Look how much time she put. You know, now what happens? She had to rush getting ready. Why would she have to rush getting ready? If she made one less thing at the table, she would have had extra time to get ready. That means that that one extra thing that she made for me was worth the hassle and the stress that she went, that she put herself through. Look for this extra dish at the table. One dish less, less stressed wife. One dish more, more stress. But look, look at what she did 
for me, for you, for the kids, for the guests. Keep playing with the thought until you've realized the full 360 degrees of it. Don't say thank you so much, you know, you're always so thoughtful. Think of seven examples of how she was thoughtful. And then say, honey, it's so wonderful, you know, when I, when I just sometimes think about how thoughtful you are. In those moments, a person is saying those words from the depth of their hearts. It's a bit ozneh. It's in the, the ears of his wife. It's a thought which comes from the inside, so to speak. And therefore, when it's said, it comes out with the conviction that it needs. Tov lehodot laadonai uzamer l'shimcha elion lagiba bokeh hazdecha unatcha baleilot. Rabotai, may we be zochet to have a beautiful Shabbat, Kodesh. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing you all in the synagogue. Baruch Adonai